Welcome to the Wanting It More podcast. I'm Jana Denton House, and I specialize in helping women who are married to men want and enjoy intimacy more. So if you've ever felt like it was a chore, even though you really love your husband, you are not alone, and this is the show for you. Join me as I have open and honest conversations about sex, marriage, and everything else in the bedroom. I promise to never tell you to just do it, spice things up, or buy some lingerie. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Wanting It More podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Denton House, as you already know, and I have a new guest on the podcast today. Her name is Lisa, and I know her from my program, Wanting It More, which seems to be a trend here. And Lisa is a joy, a delight. Her face just brightens up the virtual rooms that I get to spend time with her in. And she always offers really great insight. No pressure, Lisa, for this one, but she offers really great insight. And I'm just excited to see where our conversation goes today. We've spent very little one-on-one time together. And so this is really such a joy for me to have this podcast so that I have the opportunity to have these deeper conversations with those who I really uh, are inspired by. So Lisa, would you like to give a brief introduction of who you are, just so folks know that we are talking to real women with real marriages and also maintaining some level of confidentiality. So take it away. Well, thank you for that intro. (laughs) Um, But yes, so my name is Lisa. Hi, listeners. And I am married. I live in the States. I have one toddler, going to keep it at one. So it keeps our hands full. And yeah, I found Jana. I found you through the program. Gosh, nine, 10 months ago. I can't believe it. It feels like forever, but also not long enough. And it was at that point where we were just always, I I work from home, I'm in IT. And during the pandemic, I was at home, kid was at home, husband was at home when he wasn't at work. And it was just a lot. And I found we were always butting heads on so many things consistently and was just looking for help. And then I stumbled on your free (laughs) webinar. And I went and I was like, Oh, my gosh, we do fight about sex all the time. There's so much guilt. There's so much where I I don't want to do it. And then it's like this whole world of pleasure opened up after, you know, going through the course and, and learning about it, that it's just, honestly, it's shocking when I think about now, because nothing was really that radical that we changed, but now all of a sudden I can have pleasure during sex. And it's just bizarre that up until now, that wasn't something that I routinely would have said. Oh, gosh, I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot to introduce what we're oh. going to talk about today. So thank you. <laughs> You're for welcome. That to in that intro. It was a great little segue. Yeah. So today we are going to explore how we do this, how we actually find pleasure as women in the sexual experience when maybe it hadn't been like that for a long time, which was what my experience was. So I didn't mean to interrupt your flow. You were really on a good one there. Was it, well, what was it like with pleasure before wanting it more, before you learned these principles? Was it sporadic? Was it confusing? Yeah, just 
What was it like? Both. Definitely sporadic and confusing. There were times that just like very randomly I would get sporadic desire and I, you know, but it happened like twice a year, right? And I'd be like, let's do this. You know, my body's tingling and, you know, I want this right now. And then we would get into this cycle because it would be great and lovely and pleasurable. And then almost as soon as we were done, my husband would say something to the effect of, oh, if it could be like this every day, wouldn't that be so wonderful? And that puts so much pressure. Now I recognize it as that pressure and that guilt. And that is just going to inhibit me even more. And so it was just consistently this battle and then I wouldn't feel it or, and I've just recently had this realization that what else I was doing is I would shut down my pleasure. Like if I was laying, if we were laying in bed and I was tired and he was just rubbing my back and I love just the hand on your warm skin, it feels so good. But I would stop and say, I'm tired because I never saw sex as something that should be pleasurable for me. So in those cases, in between those, you know, times that like I really was feeling it, I would actively deny myself pleasure. And I didn't realize this until like truly like three weeks ago that I was like, hold up. I know ne- it never dawned on me that there were these times because I always felt in my mind, my mind would go, he is just trying to turn me on so he can get this pleasure, which was not necessarily a fair assumption, you know, I mean, maybe a little bit, sure, you know, they might want to have sex and, you know, get things going, but he also loves to give me pleasure. And so it was just such a weird thing that I've been thinking about that I was like, why for so long was I afraid of pleasure and like the pressure then to perform for his pleasure? And so it's like, I really wasn't allowing myself to find pleasure except for those rare cases where for whatever reason, my hormones had lined up and were like, yay, I want this right now. And it's just been a very interesting thing that I've been mulling over so fascinating why do you think that that is what you were doing before it's a great question I honestly I do not know and I think that's the scary part is why because now logically that doesn't make sense it's an odd reaction and I'm guessing I'm not alone though in that reaction. And I think, again, it's this combination of like allow, or maybe, maybe not a combination, but what am I allowed to see as pleasure? So if that was pleasurable to me, just the hand on my back or like, even now, like if he's giving me a hand, not hand massage, obviously it wasn't a hand massage, on my back with his hands, on my bare skin. But then I really like, like when he starts to go around, like my rib cage, like sort of towards my breast, but like not touching it. But that area is so pleasurable. And all of a sudden now I'm starting to lean into it where I'll be like, just stop and like leave your hand there. And you know, my brain, those like endorphins are going off and it feels so good. 
And I don't know why I ever would have stopped that other than I never had the confidence that that was okay to not take it past that level, right? You're so programmed that pleasure has to be the penis in your vagina. And like, that's not super pleasurable. I mean, maybe for some women it is, and that's wonderful. I'm so happy for them if it is, but for me, it's generally not. There are still occasions where it is, you know, it depends on the day, but I think I was just so scared based on I never had those real conversations growing up or with your friends. You never have the conversations about what does female pleasure truly look like. And so I just assumed that, you know, okay, well, if this feels good, then we better get going. And then he's going to need to thrust. And then, you know, and then thank goodness we'll be done, you know? And so it's like, I just didn't want to deal with all that part. So then it would be close the door and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm tired. I'm too tired. I want to go to bed. That is something I can completely relate to. And I feel like we hear that from other women as well, where their pleasure has been the word I want to use is commodify, but I don't know if that's mm -hmm. the right word. Their pleasure is being used or whether it's being used by their husbands like this or not, but it's certainly the message in our society is that right. women's pleasure needs to be used in favor of men's pleasure. Yes. So it's not legitimate just for it to be pleasurable for you. It has to be in the sequence of events so that it leads to male pleasure. I like that what you just said, where you said the legitimacy, because I think that is spot on. I'm thinking if we were to take an experiment or any book or movie or TV show where they do it, if they went and two characters were having pleasure together, if it was all centered only around the female, and the man never had his orgasm, they would never show that. And it, if they did, it would probably depict the man being angry or leaving or saying, well, fine, I'm gonna go do this. Whereas the female, they never necessarily even show that she's having pleasure. So all that messaging has just been like, I mean, you're lucky if you, you're, it was pleasurable for you today, you know, congratulations, lady, you know, you got some, you know, which is what, like how we speak in, you know, a society today. And so it's just so interesting that, yeah, I'm seeing this trend with other people in the program and just other friends as you start to talk about it where it's, oh, well, maybe if like you just try this position, it will be a little more comfortable for you. I'm like, why is that the conversation about trying to find, like to just increase my comfort instead of saying, well, if that's not comfortable, why would you do it? There's so many other ways to find pleasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like women are the, the conduit to men's pleasure but we're there. Mm. It's the side, it's the bonus. It's, yeah, like you said, if it happens, that's neat, but definitely not necessary and definitely not the full meal deal. Right. Recently, I asked my husband not to have an orgasm during our sexual experience because I want to experience 
what that's like for it to be fully about me. Mm -hmm. After 21 years of marriage and countless, countless such experiences of it being completely for him, I think, why not? Yeah. It's not an unreasonable request. And even now I feel like I want to convince you that it was a reasonable request. I know. I was just thinking now, I was like, wow, that seems so radical. And like, my thought was like, how did he take this? But who cares how he, right? You know, through all these years, has anyone ever said, oh, Gianna, how are you going to feel if you don't orgasm during this connection with your husband? No one has ever once. And that's wild, you know, and again, it's nothing against, you know, our husbands were raised this, like in the same way we were, that it's just really bizarre. I can't even imagine someone asking my husband about my experience. Yeah. Let's say he was talking to someone in confidence and talking about our sexual experiences even with a counselor or some professional, I just can't imagine someone even saying, well, what about her? What's going on with her? Or that wasn't my experience anyways, when I was looking for support. I hope things have changed since then. I hope so too. I was just thinking about that same thing, that even if it wasn't just your husband going, even if I were to go, I don't think the questions would be are you finding pleasure in this, Lisa? It would be something's wrong. Like you should be able to just drop those pants and accept the penis. Like, I don't, I don't know about anybody who's just ready to do that. Like, like, get away from me. Um, You know, but it's just so strange that I just often think, where did this come from? that this is what we're selling is pleasure. And even the word pleasure, I'm sure there's lots of women right now listening who are feeling Mm -hmm. really uncomfortable with this word. Yeah. Because I believe it is connected to female sexual pleasure. So here is another in this same realm, but I'm like, oh my gosh. I have been meaning to bring this up to some of the other women in the group. I had this epiphany like last week that it's about masturbating and the word masturbating always just feels gross and yucky. So let's say self-pleasure, but it's considered normal, right? For a guy to do that. Maybe it's considered normal for a woman. I don't really know, but just the way maybe I was race or culture or anything, I have realized that if I choose to give myself pleasure, I pull away from my husband then later that night. And all of a sudden I was like, why am I so moody with him this evening? Like nothing happened. And then I realized I was feeling guilty and dirty and wrong for what I did and ashamed. And so I was trying to hide that from him. And he, I mean, I wish I could have captured, it was like this look of shock and like heartbreak and anger on his face when I was explaining this because he was like, but it's your 
like, and of course we've been working through this program and everything together, but just the fact that he was like, that, that was my reaction. And he's like, you know, like, you don't need my permission. You can have pleasure anytime you want. Like, and he was like, how can I support you as we try? And I was like, I honestly have no idea. Cause this was new to me that I've gotten to the point where I find pleasure with him now pretty routinely and I feel confident in finding pleasure and I like how that feels. But this one has just still been on my mind that I thought, what in the world? Like, why do I need to feel this way? There's nothing wrong with what I just did. And that's what made me think of it. As you're saying, some of our listeners are probably feeling uncomfortable hearing that word pleasure and thinking about that. And know that I still experience that now today, even like, why is that? And I don't know. And I, I hope that there's someone out there going, oh my goodness, me too. And not feeling as alone on their island and knowing that what's going on in their brain is probably happening with other women. It makes so much sense, Lisa, if we live in a world that says, your body's not really your own. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we were property of men in a legal sense. My mom was saying she couldn't even get a credit card without her husband's co-signature. It wasn't that long. We weren't allowed to own, we were property. So if we're property and not only our bodies, but our pleasure and our orgasms are our husband's property, then you've just taken away something from him. Mm-hmm. You've used something that was suppo- is supposed to be for him, and now you feel guilty about it. It's just, it's fascinating. It's been, this has been my latest revelation. So I mean, I'm still working through it, you know, because it's, I should be able to do that by myself or with him. and be pretty happy about it like yeah and also you you have been conditioned to think and feel this way in a very methodical way none of this is your fault or some deficiency on your brain I for a long time would tell my husband when I had had self-pleasure alone in a guilty way almost like I was confessing to something. Yes. Yes. So he would come home and I'd really grapple with, should I tell him that's weird, but I feel like I have to. And then I would, and that felt weird. And he didn't really know what to say. Like, thanks for telling me (laughs) what I'm supposed to say. And then I would open myself up for his opinion about that. When that has nothing to do with him. I actually am giving him power when I don't actually want to do that. Right. So even if he had said, oh, that's great or good job or that's yucky. I don't want to hear that. Right. And you opened it up for, yeah, it's. Yeah. All of a sudden it's dawning on me. I'm like, oh, right. We're talking on a podcast, but I feel like we're both also having this moment where you just are thinking and processing through. Those are the best conversations that I like to listen to. Yeah. Because it's something different. I really want to go back to that part on your rib cage. Yes. 
because that is not in the list of acceptable sexual pleasures, Lisa. <laughs> you know? Yep. You are allowed to like oral sex. You're mm-hmm. allowed to like PIV, penis and vagina. You are allowed to like 69 and from behind and hand jobs and fingering and all the stuff that we know is listed. Yes. And the big list, wherever that's kept of accept- acceptable sexual experiences. You really have to involve genitals, it seems like. Oh, yeah. Genitals, definite must. That was sarcasm for our listeners who cannot Great see comments. my face. <laughs> so tell me about this spot in your rib cage. What is it like when his hand is there? It is, gosh. And let's see, how can I describe it in kind of like this, the the pleasure it gives, it's like a combination between when you're stepping into sunshine, but not hot sunshine. It's just that warm sunshine that feels so good inside your soul. And it's like, you're taking a bite of the most delicious chocolate. And that's what it feels like. (laughs) I mean, we can end this conversation here because that was just fantastic. Wow. I mean, one might label that as mind-blowing. It is. And it's, that's the thing is that spot. And then I have another spot that I like to feel on him that no one would ever say is like erotic and sexual. But it's, well, let's see. It's the inside of his wrist. And it is so soft and warm and smooth, but in this like comforting way. And there was a a time recently that we were together exploring intimately. And all I wanted to do was just stroke that area of his arm. And I didn't do anything else. And my endorphins in my brain and my body was tingling and I kept, and I, there were a couple times where I had to pause myself because I thought I need to switch this up and what do I need to do for him now? What, like, where is this? And so like, I'd try somewhere else and I was like, oh no, I, I just, my brain is happy when I'm at this thing. And then, I mean, eventually for like 20 minutes, I was like so revved up that I did want more, but then I directed it and I said, this is what I want. Um, This is how I want to feel your hands. But even if I hadn't wanted to continue, I think that that was so pleasurable. And who's to say that some passionate lip locking and stroking of that inner wrist that could be just as sexual. And the interesting thing is my husband afterwards, he enjoyed it so much too. And he said, can you explain to me why you liked it? Cause he was just like laying there and like, he was like, I don't know what's happening, but he was enjoying it because he could tell that I was in so much pleasure. And so he was like, this is great. But he was like, I don't know what's happening. And so he was like, can you just like, explain it to me and I just you know was like telling him how it was just so soft and comforting and it just made me feel like safe and loved it but also that like 
gosh, I don't even know if a childhood comfort is the way to explain this one, but that I could find pleasure in that. And I have to say, I can 100% confidence say that prior to meeting you, I would have never done that, never stayed in that pleasure for that long and never had it be a mutual experience for the two of us. And it was, it was just this beautiful moment that was so pleasurable. And like, as you explain it now, you know, a listener might be like, well, that's pretty basic. And it is, that's the thing is finding this pleasure is there's nothing wrong with that being how I find pleasure or nothing wrong with me just wanting that massage on the back and then just the slow dips into the side of that rib cage spot that just give you that pleasure. And all of a sudden I have that confidence in myself to allow us to find the pleasure. But also my husband has joined me on this journey and he is now seeing the benefits of like, he's like, oh, like, like his, his mind is blown that he can have pleasure that's maybe not an orgasm or maybe has nothing to do with his penis. And it's just, I mean, I'm sure has just rocked his world that that's even possible because again, that's how we're conditioned. <laughs> do you need a moment? <laughs> I, well, I think I... I'll just be really honest how I'm feeling. I'm just feeling so damn proud of your experience, <laughs> but I don't own it. I think because I am constantly telling women the principles that could lead them to this experience. And there's just so many cultural messages that get in the way of this, of it not being valid. What about my husband's experience? Even the word foreplay. It's, I've been thinking about that. Have you thought about that word foreplay? I haven't until just now. And as you said it, I had a strong visceral, I don't like that word because that is saying, maybe a poor analogy that what's wrong with having appetizers for dinner? Absolutely nothing. Like that's saying, that makes it feel like someone's just, foreplay the word now to me it's almost like I think and I've truly never put a lot of thought into this that foreplay is often seen as prepping the female to accept the man's body which is awful and sickening and it kind of makes me nauseous right now because the whole thing should be pleasurable from start to finish. And finish doesn't necessarily mean orgasm either. Like, cause I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll be like, oh, my body's buzzing. And then like, it stops. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm good. And that's okay too, because it's okay to find that wholesome and I want to say too, to the, as I know we're going through that foreplay, but to the listeners too, that if you hear these positive stories, right, which is wonderful and it's great to hear it, but know that there are not positive times too. Like there's still so many times that I'm in my head and 
this is that, and I've heard you say it before, Jana, like there's no finishing of anything of this course. Like this is a lifelong path and there's, we're constantly going to need reassurance from our partners. And there's going to be times where you think, oh, I don't want to do this, or it goes into the foreplay and I'm going to go back to where I was and try to shut down and say, don't touch my back. And then I have to remind myself, oh, wait, this is for me. I can enjoy this and like relax into the pleasure and make it all about, make it all about me. (laughs) You know, Um, I think I went on a little tangent there from where we were. Well, it also nods to another cultural message that is sex needs to be easy. Mm. That's, that's interesting. It just happens. There's language, isn't there, in our culture that we use? And one thing led to another. And I, if I now I'm thinking about it, like if I read one thing led to another and you know what happened, the only thing that I'm picturing in my head is that there was PIV happening and the man orgasmed. Yeah, and I have a vague sense of it being quite frantic, a lot of movement of bodies, uh, some sweat, and just a lot of intensity, no talking, no, no communicating, no getting of the condom or pulling out the lube or going to the bathroom or having a minute where you feel triggered and need some reassurance. Definitely no interruptions from children or phones or dogs or anything. You better not be wearing socks or a big baggy t-shirt. No. And I always think about breastfeeding when I think about this. Did you breastfeed your child? So I didn't have a good experience with breastfeeding and I did it for six weeks and then I stopped and it was the best decision I could have made for myself. I'm getting shivers because I feel like I'm speaking to the right person when it comes to this analogy because we're told this story as mothers that breastfeeding is natural and that it'll sort of flow easily and just happen and I wasn't prepared for the bleeding nipples and the lack of supply with my second and the amount of guilt that I was going to feel and and I feel like sex is like that it's almost like we equate anything that happens with the body as something that needs to just happen without any full proper education support structure And it's interesting, as you were going through that, and you said, for the body to, in my mind, waiting for the word that you didn't use, but my mind went to the word work. And I thought, no, Lisa, that's not right. Because my body's working just fine. Right? (laughs) It's working amazingly. Right. I'm right here. You can see me. Your listeners can hear me. Yeah. You're right here and you didn't change from before. 
Right. You are Lisa. You were Lisa. You didn't take any magical libido pills. You didn't go through any sort of reconstructive clitoral surgery. You didn't have a special cream on your body that made your nerve endings more sensitive. Yeah. Nothing changed. And the other thing I want to point out to your analogy with the breastfeeding is the guilt. Because that guilt was horrible. Um, Just horrible, which is, again, when you look at it now and you think, wow, I felt that much guilt when I had a very good alternative, a formula, and this baby was fed food and is thriving. And, you know, I know there's differing opinions, so I won't tread too far down that road, but, you know, there are other options. And it's the same with sex. Why do I need to feel guilty that this one thing doesn't work for me? But it does. And even I'm wondering if we can take this a little bit further with the breastfeeding, because- We have been taught that there's one way to beautifully nourish your child. Mm -hmm. I think things are changing. Now it's not breast is best, it's fed is best. Things are moving in that direction, but to make the parallels that that there's one way for feeding an infant to work. That's natural and easy and bonding and flows beautifully. For me in sex, That was missionary position with my husband on top, me orgasming with his penis inside of me, and that's it, and simultaneous orgasms, if best. Oh, yeah. It's got to be simultaneous, right? Did you have an idea of what this perfect scenario would have looked like if your body was working in the old sense? Breastfeeding or sex or both? Well, you can do neither one. I'm sort of (laughs) moving back into the sex conversation. (laughs) Okay, I can go with either. But yeah, sex is actually very similar in the imaginative way. It was always simultaneous release, which is quite frankly, I think would be, I mean, occasionally I guess it can happen, but this is very difficult. Like you want to time that down? Like, oh my gosh, I tried once. Because this was so ingrained in me. Yeah. There was a lot of, where are you at? Okay, I'm going to speed up. Where are you? What's going on? And frustration and anger and rejection of my body. And we almost did it. (laughs) And did I feel great afterwards? Was it like you described that beautiful moment? And I know what you said about the sunshine, but you're not too hot and you're sort of in the shade and I hear kids playing at the beach in my scenario I like just sitting there reading a book with my feet in the sand it's the perfect temperature just yeah did I feel that way Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I felt exhausted I felt overwhelmed because I'd overwhelmed my clitoris because I was just ramming away at it trying to catch up and I felt empty unfulfilled I think that leads to a very good point of 
defining, so to speak, that pleasure along the way, right? That we're always so focused on the actual orgasm as the pleasure, but I think the orgasm itself, we have to think of as a release. And so you might have that release and the release can be probably in what you experienced in that scenario, straight up just a release, I orgasmed. But then there's, you know, all sorts of things that can be attached to that release. Like maybe it like feels pretty good. And you're like, that was nice. And then there's times where it can be like intensely pleasurable. And those times are when the entire experience had pleasure. That's and so I think when we're focused on getting that pleasure, it's like, no, you need to be enjoying pleasure this whole time. And I mean, it's okay if you need to take a reset and go, whoa, and just go back to snuggling for a minute or resting on your side, go to the bathroom, have some water, turn the fan off if you're getting too chilly. But that overall, if we're not experiencing that pleasure throughout, it's not, that release might not necessarily be worth it. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I really love talking to you, Lisa. I like talking to you. This is really good. I had so many thoughts when you were talking, but I was just so engrossed by your... <laughs> That's happened to me a couple of times. And then I'm like, all oh, the thoughts just went out the window. <laughs> yeah, I have this uh, spot that I discovered. And that's the thing, discovering these parts of our bodies takes time. It's taken work on both of our parts. I just want to make sure that people who are listening know that we're not trying to oversimplify what needs to go into this process, that it does take a lot of time. It takes a lot of overcoming cultural messages. It comes come with a lot of communication with our partners. And for me, a lot of courage on my part. And I feel like I hear that in your story as well. And an entitlement to pleasure. I feel like I want to reclaim that word entitlement because Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Like I want to go into my sexual experiences feeling entitled to pleasure. I like, I want to like do a power pose there. Like mm -hmm. that's right. I'm entitled to pleasure. Yes. Yeah. And amazing to think that our husbands completely embody that. Yes. For themselves. That is how they have gone about the sexual experiences the whole time. It's actually not a new concept. It's just new for us. Right. So I have this part is a on the small of my back mm -hmm. and it really is the just the right spot it really can't be too low because then it's getting too much into my bum cheek area mm -hmm. and that doesn't it feels like I need a lot of boundaries around that and then if it goes higher into my back I'm feeling more of that comforting feeling which is wonderful but a little bit lower feels exactly like what you're talking about. Yes. And I actually had experiences where I really give myself permission to stay there and not move on and not sort of say, okay, right, Jana, that was, that was a nice little appetizer. Let's sort of move on to the main course here. Mm -hmm. I have had what I would probably describe as orgasmic experiences with that part of my body. And that sounds, and that's amazing. 
that you and the the other thing the waves of pleasure and when you said when you were talking about finding just that right spot too I think that's interesting for the pleasure where you said too low towards your bum you need boundaries around that area which I'm sure there's other sections that you talk about boundaries in your you your podcast. Back, Lisa, we'll talk about boundaries. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about boundaries. We'll have again. another conversation. <laughs> okay, so set me up. So there's those boundaries, but then you're like, and up too much is a comfort, which again is a lovely feeling. But this, to me now, like you know, however many months into this, I'm like thinking this way, as I'm like, well, of course, I have the right to say move your hand a little to the left and now don't move your hand. Like that you have that autonomy over how you want your husband to touch your body for your pleasure is something that I have to imagine a lot of women struggle with. I know I did and I know it takes so long. I mean, there are so many times like even as we're getting into the rhythm where I'd be like, Every two seconds, I'd be like, are you sure you're okay with this? You don't have any expectations. And it was just like like an hour of awkwardness and, you know, conversing. And, but that's that other thing about pleasure is, you know, I hear people say, well, I don't know what my body wants, but if we actually really, really listen, it does know. And I think when we say we don't know what our body's saying, it's actually all those cultural messages are stopping us from hearing it because we're going touching the small of my back or the side of my rib cage like that can't be pleasure like and so we're just stopping and not hearing it but there can be pleasure in all of those things amazing i same i keep on losing my train of thought with you me too and you know what i'm thinking is after this call i know i do have to go back to work but i'm like i wish i had a little because this is pleasure so it kind of works someday we don't own our house um when we do own a home that I would want to put money into the outside I want to build a little like fountain with a little koi pond so I can just go and listen to the water and like that's what I want to do after this I just want to sit in the warm air with the water and just do nothing that's like this like as we keep talking about pleasure that's where I want to be but you know I, I probably should go back to work after this. <laughs> oh, well, let's leave the listeners wanting more since it's called yes. the Wanting It More podcast. We should. You and, want more pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And also wanting more of our conversation. So we'll say goodbye here, but I'm going to schedule another conversation with you. Okay. And what should we talk about there? I feel like we want to get into boundaries. Yes. And I think we could talk more about pleasure. I feel there's There's a lot here. There's a lot there. And maybe we could talk about pleasure out of the bedroom and what that looks like. And yeah. Okay. So that's what I did this morning. Actually, I, before I knew what we were going to talk about today, I went for a little pleasure walk in the forest. And just walking down the path from my road into the uh, the paved path we have, which has houses on one side and the forest on the other, the sweet smell of the forest Ugh. was intoxicating. It was 
hot. It's pretty hot today and pretty humid. And so it's almost like this steamy, foresty, fresh, flowery. Oh, oh, like the birds were chirping and, and, you know, I had to have a lot of courage because we have a lot of bears in our neighborhood. You're giving me really shocked face. What is happening? (laughs) I live in the the woods of Canada. So we have cougars. I think uh, Americans call them mountain lions. We do, yes. Mm -hmm. We call them cougars. And we have black bears. We don't often see grizzly bears here, but they do. They are on Vancouver Island. And so I had a conversation with my husband before I left. And I just... I wasn't sure, was I going to feel safe there? And I needed to choose what I was going to do with this situation. And I ended up telling my husband, there's parallels that are incredible. I'm not going to let my fear of bears when there is very little risk. Nobody's been, there's been no bear mulling. What do they call them? Mullings? Mullings, right? Yeah. Yeah. Attack. so in our never, never documented in our area. And so the risk that I have with physical harm going into the forest right now is very low. There's houses on one side, there's people biking there all the time, people walking their dogs, but I still had to find the courage to go into that space. And that is so similar to what it's like for the sexual experience. Yes. And I was even carrying a full water bottle that I could swing at a bear if I needed to. So I wasn't carrying a stick or bear spray, but I had something that I felt safe with. And that's another conversation we could have maybe when we talk about boundaries is how do we create the structure in a sexual experience so that we can experience that pleasure? Yes. Thank you so much for coming on to this. Thank you. See, I told you at the beginning, I said, (laughs) I love Lisa so much as I do with all my guests, but this has been such a treat for me because like you said, we've sort of known about each other for eight, nine months now. And this is really the first time I've had the opportunity to talk to you one-on-one and it's everything that I was hoping for. So thank you. Oh, yay. I'm so glad. And thank you to your listeners. Yes. Yeah. And so, okay, well, we'll be back. So make sure you watch out for Boundaries with Lisa in the title and uh, come back for part two of our conversation. All right. Bye, everyone. If you've enjoyed this episode, I have a favor to ask of you. It's really hard to get the word out about a podcast about sex. What would really, really help is if you would leave a rating and a review. And I know that you get asked this all the time in different podcasts, but please, I beg you, it would really, really help so that more women who need this message will hear it. All you have to do is go into your Apple podcast app. It's the purple icon. And if you go to the podcast page where it shows my face, and has a little button that says latest episodes. If you scroll down past the episodes and you get to a section called ratings and reviews, there's a little purple writing thing that says write a review. If you click on that, it will ask you to give it a five stars. Actually, you can put any stars, but five is what I would love. And put a title and then write your review. Thank you so much for supporting 
this little venture here and I really am so grateful. If you are curious about wanting it more and how this program could help you want to enjoy sex more with your husband and you feel like it may be a great next step for you, you can go to janetdentonhouse.com slash wanting it more to sign up for the waitlist, to learn more, to see when we're running our next round. All right, that's it. I'll see you next one.